0: Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Dave Hall, your host. I'm coming to you from a very hot Memphis, Tennessee. If you can imagine, we have not had air conditioning now for two days. Now, that's a lot shorter than the 50 days when I was in Puerto Rico during Hurricane Maria. So I guess I'm somewhat used to it. But it's 95 degrees in my office right now. But I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I want to make sure you guys get the information you need. So hopefully, we can get you to a safe and secure retirement. If you want to learn more about what we do, just go to our website, retirementriskadvisors.com, you'll get access to all the education tools, all the resources, all the planning information you need to help you get through that longest period of self-imposed unemployment most of us will have in our lifetime. It's what we call retirement. I'm very excited about today's show. I ended up getting a benefit out of today's show that I wasn't expecting. Uh, in fact, many of you are going to know our guest, but may not even realize you know our guest. It's Cameron Huddleston. She is a top financial writer, has been doing it for decades. Many of you have probably read her articles in some of the top financial magazines and not realized she was the one behind all the information. Well, I read one of her articles It was talking about 14 signs you will run out of money in retirement. And being a retirement risk advisor, I thought, great, there's someone here that thinks like I do. We're going to talk about running out of money in retirement, not knowing that she wrote a book that's to me, actually is more important that we talk about today, and that's Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. Cameron, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
1: So Cameron, I didn't tell you all of this before. Really, when my office contacted you, I really was hoping we could talk about risk. We could talk about long-term care. We could talk about all these other things that you wrote about in that article. But I'm super excited about this book because it's something that I know people don't do enough in their life. I know it's a challenge for many people. I talk about it in many of my webinars. Tell us first a little bit about you, and then I'm going to ask you a little bit about the book.
0: Sure. So as you said, I am a financial journalist and I have been for a very long time. And in 2019, I wrote a book called Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents about Their Finances. And I wrote the book because of my own experiences with my parents. My father died at the age of 61 without a will, and he was in a second marriage And the kicker is that he was an attorney, so he should have known better. But I had never had a conversation with him to find out if he had a will because I just assumed that he did. And then my mother, when she was 65 and I was just 35, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And we had actually had a conversation years prior to that about... The fact that she needed to look into getting long-term care insurance to pay for that sort of care if she ever needed it because she was living on her own. Unfortunately, she could not get coverage because she had a pre-existing condition at the time. It was not dementia, it was something else, but she was too high risk. And I should have used that opportunity to have a conversation with her about what sort of assets she had that she could use to pay for care and what sort of care she would want if she ever needed it. But I didn't. I totally dropped the ball. I didn't even realize I needed to have the conversation. In fact, I didn't realize I needed to talk to her about her finances until she was experiencing memory loss. And then I had to scramble to make sure everything was in place. And I had to play detective to get the information I needed to manage her finances once she was no longer able to herself. And so I wrote this book because I wanted people to realize the importance of having these conversations sooner rather than later. And I wanted to give people a guideline on how to have the conversations, what information you need to gather and what to do if your parents are reluctant. To have these conversations with you.
1: I'm very excited to read the book. I have not yet had the opportunity to read the book itself. I've gone through some of the overview of the book, and it's so exciting to know that someone out of a a bad situation, meaning for you, it's very hard to have parents that are dying that young. I know, having gone through it myself, I know the financial conversations can be hard. Many people don't want to talk about money. And and I guess I would ask you were there financial conversations going on in the home at all before? Or was it kind of an off topic that, hey, we're just not going to talk about?
0: With my dad, it was certainly a taboo topic. I remember growing up and being told, you don't talk about money. It's impolite. Don't ask people how much money they make. Don't ask people how much money they spent to buy things. And so we didn't talk about money much in my family. My mother wasn't so tight-lipped about money, but it just wasn't something that came up. In day to day conversations. And so I would have been afraid to talk about the topic with my dad if he had lived past the age of 61. With my mom, I wasn't afraid to have conversations with her about her finances. But the problem was when I realized I needed to have those conversations because she was starting to forget things, it wasn't that I was afraid to talk to her about her finances, I was afraid to be the one to tell her. We needed to have those conversations because she was starting to forget things. I just didn't want to be the one to tell her. I thought that she had dementia, and so I stalled. And it can be very
1: hard when you get put in that situation. I've never been put in that situation with a family member, but I have a good friend who lives in Puerto Rico. When I was there at the time, we met and keep in contact to this day and every time I would meet with him, he would tell me the same story about some investments that he had going on and what an amazing job he was doing with the investments. And I thought, okay, this is strange that he keeps telling me this. I really doubt he's doing that well, but if he believes it, that's great. Well, then he hired me to help him with some accounting issues. And so that relationship changed from a friendship to a professional And as a professional, I got the opportunity to see into his finances and what was going on and realized he was not making anywhere near the money he had been telling me he was making and that it was probably going to be an issue for he and his wife once he got further into his retirement. So as a professional, I now felt like I had the obligation to to let him know that. To say, hey, if you really believe this is what's going on, it is not going on. This is not what the results are going to be. And as I explained that to him, unfortunately, he knew it wasn't going on. It just made him feel more important as a person. He's got some mental disabilities and it made him feel more important as a person to let people know that this was happening in his life because he figured it was something that no one would ever check. And once I realized that, and he realized that, I let him tell me the story a dozen times since then. But it can be very difficult to open those doors having experienced myself. From a family side, obviously, because of the book, you talk to a lot of individuals out there that are trying to open up that conversation. What are some things people can do to get started if they're not used to talking about money like many of us weren't when we were growing up?
0: So the first advice I would give to people is to recognize that your fear of having this conversation with your parents is probably out of proportion. They most likely are not going to get angry with you or think that you're being greedy or think that you're being nosy if you approach this conversation out of love And respect. Now, if you go to your parents and say, Hey, mom and dad, what are you leaving me when you die? (laughs) That's not a good way to start the conversation. Of course, you're going to sound like you're being greedy. Or if you say to your parents, Hey, mom and dad, I noticed that you're spending a lot of money and I don't think that you have a lot of money to spend. How much debt do you have? Well, they might think you're being nosy if you approach it that way. But if you go to your parents and you let them know, Mom and dad, I love you, you took such great care of me, and I want to be able to help you out if you ever need my help. But in order to do that, I'm going to need some information from you. So approaching it that way out of love and respect is going to get you a lot farther, and it's likely not going to end up in a situation where your parents are getting angry with you, and they're certainly not going to send you off to your room and tell you that you're grounded for the rest of the month. But then I would say from that point, there are a couple of different ways you can start the conversation naturally. If you're still relatively young, one of the simplest ways to do it is to ask your parents for advice. This helps you avoid that role reversal. You can say, well, hey, mom and dad, I just got married. Do I need life insurance now? Do I need a will? Their response is going to give you clues into what sort of planning they've done. And you wanna just keep asking questions from there. If you're already in midlife, You can probably share a story about someone you know who had to get involved in their parents' finances or perhaps someone who lost a parent and that parent did either a really good job of planning and it made things easier for the family or they didn't do a good job of planning and you can use that as a cautionary tale. You can also simply ask about what-if scenarios. I have a friend who did this and it worked so well. She asked her mom who was living on her own. Mom, what if something happened to you and you ended up in the hospital and I had to make sure your bills got paid? How would I do that? And her mom said, you know, I never even thought of that. I'm so glad you asked. And she sent her daughter a whole list of all of her bills and how she paid them. And then that led to more and more conversations. And so, There are plenty of ways to start these conversations naturally, but it is important to remember, again, these conversations need to be approached out of love and respect. And it's also important to remember that you don't need to set your parents down and grill them for hours. (laughs) These are conversations that can happen over time, and the sooner you start, the better it's going to be, because it might take your parents a while to warm up to the idea of talking. You might have to try several different approaches, and like I said, it can take time to get the information you need. You don't want to ask them to share everything all at once, because that's going to be overwhelming for both you and them.
1: Listeners, if you've never gone through this before, I hope you're listening, because Most of your parents, grandparents, uh, elderly friends, they're not going to just open up to you. This is one of the challenges too, especially if they're dealing with financial issues. They've gone for decades maybe taking care of themselves, and now they put themselves in a position, whether they've had elder abuse, whether they've just run out of money, whether it's because a, a spouse now that's surviving has never dealt with money, so they don't even know what to do, they're not going to have that conversation when you and, and the grandkids come over and open up to you. So what Cameron's talking about here is so important and why I really wanted to talk about this, because it is not a conversation that is happening in most families. and. What you talk about—the importance of building that trust—I I know you have young children. I believe you have three. Is that correct?
0: I do. I
1: have three. And you have very open financial discussions from everything I've seen. Is that that also correct?
0: We do. We have been talking with our kids about money matters really from the time they couldn't talk. So, you know, starting with introducing them to the concept of money. Now that my daughters are older and in high school, we. Share lots of details with them. And I've let my daughters know my son is 10 years old. So we're not having real in depth conversations yet, but I've let my daughters know, you know, your, your father and I are taking steps to be prepared. You know, we, we have a will. This is the person who is your guardian. If I end up in a situation like my own mother, I don't want you to have to be the one to take care of you. We are planning financially for that scenario so that you don't have to quit your job to take care of me. It'd be really nice if you can help oversee my finances, but I'm not expecting you to give up your life to care for me as I get older, if I have those sort of care needs. So yes, we talk about money all the time. And
1: It's one of the ways we can change this. I mean, Obviously, we need to talk to our parents, but if we can change the pattern. I was raised just like you. We didn't talk about money. My parents didn't have any money, so it really didn't matter, but we never really talked about money issues. We now do. In fact, we had a funny experience with our 13-year-old not too long ago. He's got autism. We have six biological children. We adopted one here about a disabled girl that's deaf and blind about two months ago, and we're in the process of adopting a little boy who's got global development delay here in the next year. And so we were having that open discussion that we have on a regular basis of saying, look, things have changed for us. We're gonna educate you kids. We're gonna give you the the tools so you can go out and fish for yourself. But all the money that's left now is gonna have to go to these other two kids. They're gonna need to be taken care of the rest of their lives. And there's a high probability they're gonna outlive us. And so our 13 year old kid with autism steps in and says, okay, I'm okay with that, but can I get something? Can I just have dad's truck or something? And my wife laughs and giggles and says, you know what, Josh, we're going to do better than that. You can have dad's truck. We'll give you a couch and a rug and you can just live in there. That's going to be your new home. And and he obviously (laughs) laughed and was super excited because he was getting three things, not just one. But, But it really has shown me how important this is. And you've had those in your own family. But, but let's talk a little bit about parents. You know, you'll go back to this. When we look at their situation, what if we don't have the skills to help them? You and I obviously have been in the industry for decades, pretty easy. In fact, I help a lot of my siblings right now that are struggling. They've had spouses pass away or got divorces late in life. But what about those that, that want to be a benefit, want to have the conversation? But then as it comes up, they're saying, I don't have a clue what I can do to really help here
0: educate yourself. You don't have to be a financial expert to have these conversations, but you do need to put in some time to educate yourself about financial matters. Now, you know, as an adult, you probably have a basic understanding of finances. If you're paying your bills, if you've managed to get a mortgage, if you have managed to take out student loans for your children, you understand on a basic level how It works, how money management works. Of course, it's different with our parents because they are probably no longer receiving a paycheck. They're getting social security benefits. Maybe they're taking money out of a retirement account. Maybe they're getting a pension. They don't have health care through an employer. They are probably getting it through Medicare now or possibly even Medicaid. So there's some things that are going to be different, but it's really easy to get on your computer and do a search on the internet. How does Medicare work? How does social security work? And in my book, I actually go through a list of everything you should be asking your parents for, what sort of information you need to gather from them. I explain about estate planning documents. I think a lot of people get confused about that and think that only wealthy people need estate planning documents, but everyone does. And we can go into that a little bit more in a second. You know, I explain how long-term care works and how to talk to your parents about long-term care. I even explain how to talk to your parents about downsizing their home and, and moving out of the family home sooner rather than later. And so there are plenty of resources out there to guide you through this process. You just have to be willing to put in a little time to do the research.
1: And what we often don't realize is how many decisions our parents have to make once they get to that point in their lives. I mean, for many of them, now I've been a little different. I've moved all over the country, but I was raised in the same house. We stayed there from the time I was born till the time I got out at age 18. And then my parents both died in that house. They didn't make a lot of decisions from the time they got married, bought a car, bought the house, had their kids. Now all of a sudden they're in retirement. And you talk about a number of those. You've got long-term care issues. Maybe you've got issues because you haven't saved enough. So you're running out of money. Maybe you've got others trying to get involved that are gonna cause elder abuse issues because they've got a scam running on for you. Maybe you do have to sell the home that you've lived in for 40 years because the wheelchair isn't going to work in a two-story or can't uh, navigate these type of things. So many decisions that I think that's the other thing, Cameron, we've got to look at is we've got to understand parents can get overwhelmed. That we look at it, I think, coming back to what you said before, most of them are not going to get offended by this conversation. I think if you approach it, as you've mentioned, with love and compassion and understanding, there's an opportunity to get them to finally open up and hopefully find some relief on, hey, I'm not exactly sure how I do do all these things right now.
0: Exactly. And I know plenty of people are thinking, well, why do I need to have this conversation now? My parents are healthy, they're doing fine. I don't need to have this conversation yet. But I think that's the biggest mistake people make is waiting until there's an emergency. Like I did, because at that point, there isn't a plan in place to deal with that emergency. You don't have the details about your parents' finances that you need if you have to step in and start managing them for your parents. And the bigger issue is you might not have the legal right to make financial and medical decisions for your parents. And this goes back to that estate planning. All adults need a power of attorney. That is someone they've named to make financial and legal decisions for them. If they can't, all adults need a healthcare power of attorney. It's also called a healthcare surrogate or healthcare proxy. This is someone who can make medical decisions for you if you can't. You also need a living will that spells out what sort of of end-of-life medical treatment you do or do not want. These documents must be drafted and signed while you are still mentally competent. If mom is in The middle stage of Alzheimer's disease and is forgetting what day it is, forgetting what year it is, is having trouble remembering who you are. At that point, it is too late for her to name you power of attorney. And without that power, you can't talk to her bank and sign checks for her and negotiate on her behalf with the health insurance company or with medical providers. All of that has to be in place beforehand. If it's not in place, then you or another family member is going to have to go through the court process to be named conservator or guardian so you can have the legal right to make financial and medical decisions for your parent. I mean, this is, this is a, a court hearing. You're putting your parent on trial to prove that your parent is no longer competent. And it can cost thousands and thousands of dollars and take several months. And it's, it's a really horrible process.
1: And the stuff you've talked about, Cameron, is not expensive. To get that stuff done. And depending on how you have it done, some of it you could get done for free. You'd be able to put some of these documents together without any fee going online and finding those documents, maybe use a a third party company and it costs you a few hundred bucks, but way cheaper than the alternative, what you're talking about here of going through that process. And I've experienced, unfortunately, I've had a lot of death in my family. Both my parents died very young. I've now had uh, two siblings pass away way before their time and a brother-in-law who just passed away before his time. So it's been a very big challenge. And my brother specifically went through all of these issues you're talking about. He was not married. He didn't have any children. And so here my sister said, trying to figure out what to do. He ended up in the hospital where he was in a coma, didn't know if they should let him live, should have him pass away. And obviously, Dr. Bill's going through the roof as we're going through this process became a very big challenge. And so completely agree, listeners, with with what's being said, we've got to do a better job of preparing those in our lives that we love, Not, not only for ourselves, but if we've got parents, family members, others that aren't taking these steps, but it also starts really with conversation. Is that right, Cameron?
0: It does. And if you don't think this will impact your own finances, you need to realize that it will if you don't have these conversations, if you don't prepare, if you don't know what level of involvement your parents are expecting from you. If mom and dad haven't saved for retirement and they're relying solely on Social Security, they might not be able to live comfortably in retirement. They might come knock on your door and say, hey, we need to move in with you just at the point where you're thinking, well, I was going to downsize. The kids have moved out. They've all gone to college and I want to live in a smaller place so that I can you know, afford a comfortable retirement for myself. But if mom and dad need a place to stay, this is something you need to know in advance. You need to know if your parents are expecting to help care for you if they have long-term care needs so that you can Prepare yourself financially for that, or prepare yourself emotionally for having to say, I'm sorry, I can help you do this and that, but I can't quit my job to care for you full time. I have my own children to support. So having these conversations is going to help you plan so you can protect your own financial well-being.
1: Yeah, and I've seen that too many times as well. I had a good friend here recently that got divorced because her... Dad wanted her to take care of him. She couldn't say no, ended up taking care of him, not focusing on her own family. And and it happens over and over and over again. So such great advice that we really need to have conversations for the sake of everyone. And again, it's not to take advantage of anyone. I, I had someone that reached out to me not too long ago, very upset that their parents had taken out a reverse mortgage. Unfortunately, I don't think it was because they, they thought they were using it for the retirement. It was because, wait a second, we thought there was a $300,000 asset that we were going to get when they passed away. That obviously is not the case anymore because the reverse mortgage is on there. And, and a simple conversation could have been held parents explaining that, look, we don't have money to make it. This is our only option. We're going to take out a reverse mortgage. It's the reality of what we've got to do unless you want to kick in money to help us and uh, really our obligation to ourselves and not to you. Unfortunately, at this point now you're adults. So again, just happens all all across the board. Uh, Unfortunately, Cameron, we're out of time. I cannot believe how fast our time's gone. I could sit and talk to you for another 50 minutes, but I know you've got to go pick up kids and our listeners have things to do. How can our listeners get a hold of you? How can they learn? Learn more about your your financial articles. Learn more about your book and how they can really start these great conversations with their parents.
0: I'm going to suggest two ways to learn more about me and to read my articles. One is to visit my website, which is CameronHuddleston.com. And another way is to visit Get Careful with two L's, GetCareful.com. I am the director of education for Careful, and I write a lot of articles geared toward caregivers and older adults on how to protect finances as adults age.
1: Thank you so much, Cameron. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Listeners, uh, if you want to figure out how to get to a more safe and secure retirement, if you want to figure out how to have these open conversations, if you want to get the resources you need, make sure that you go to our website where you can get access to information not only we've shared here today, the podcast and the show notes, but also the other tools that we have available. My name's Dave Hall. I've been your host. Look forward to seeing each of you again next week.
0: And that's today's episode. Thanks for listening.
1: If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. We come out with a new episode every Friday morning and you don't want to miss it. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify if that would really help us out. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show is to sign up for more than 15 free CPE Retirement Webinars. retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com to sign up for more than 15 free CPE Retirement Webinars.